Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, worship band, as well. That was so good. Um, you know, we just got to let things go, right, today. This is, this is not the day that we had expected, right, moms? And, um, you know, maybe you expected to dress up and go out today. And uh, that didn't happen. Instead, you're, you're sitting in your living room enjoying a nice coffee and curled up uh, with your family. And you know what? That's beautiful. Uh, one of the things we do as moms is we know how to uh, adjust, right? We know how to change things and improve things. And um, we've always got a plan A, B, C, D, no matter how crazy it gets, So my greetings to all of the moms today as well. It's a real honor to be able to share the word with you today. Um, I don't stand here as a mom who has everything all together. I don't stand here as a mom who has all the answers for you. But I stand here today as a daughter of the Most High, a daughter of the King. And uh, my heart and my prayer this morning is that you would feel blessed. You would feel encouraged where you are at. Because when you are a daughter of the king, when you have Christ in your life and you roll with what Holy Spirit breathes in and through you, you are right where you need to be. And so I just, I bless you in that. And uh, I just pray that this word would be an encouragement to your heart as it is encouraging my heart coming through me uh, and my heart for you. So, so we honor you. You know, I was thinking about some stories and some uh, just thinking about how, how we do change things and we got to adjust. And um, I was remembering a story when we had two at the time, our two oldest, and uh, my husband was awesome at um, just blessing me just to go to a women's retreat. And I thought, I'm just going to get away. And um, I, you know, we think of details, right, mom? So I had, you know, meal plans and outfits planned and all the things for my time away. Sunday morning rolled around, and um, I was uh, just coming out of my cabin at the camp where the retreat was happening, and, and I passed a lady, and she says, oh, there's a call for you. Somebody's looking for you. And I said, oh, okay. So then I'm getting closer to the chapel, and there's another lady. She says, oh, they've got somebody on hold for you. There's a call for you. So I, I walked into the, the main building, and they said, come, come, your husband's on the line. And I thought, oh, no, like, what's, what's happened? What's going on? And I pick up the phone, and Ben says, how do you get these things on? And he was talking about tights. I had rolled or laid out tights for the, for the girls for Sunday morning. It was just an automatic thing for me. And so I was like, you know what? It's pajama day today. It's pajama day. Just take the girls in pajamas. It's, it's okay. We learn how to, how to roll. And as moms, we're, we pay attention to those details. Those are things we do in all the stages that we're at. Um, you know, you, you may be a mom who you've been up all night last night, and, and, and that's a stage as well. Uh, but right now, we're in the stage where we've got our house is one big study hall. We've got um, all of us doing school online and work online. And I'm the only one who goes out, but I actually just work like, walking distance to my work. So, uh, so I'm not too far away. And that's the stage that we're at as well. You know, one of the things that we do too as moms is we, we protect. We will do everything in ourselves to protect. And um, 
step out that that mama bear would be over our kids. And uh, I was recollecting some stories, even just myself as a kid. And I I remember a story when um, I was in a car with my mom. I was probably about five years old. And my younger sister was a toddler at the time. And back in the day, we didn't have car seats. Um, If you could even imagine, like we could just roam. And uh, it wasn't really the best thing. (laughs) So we were driving and all of a sudden there was a, there was a, a car that just kind of sped out of control and went onto the other side of the road. And so my mom parked the car on the side and immediately went over like two, two lanes to go and see if they were all right. And so here was my sister and I in a, in a running car, a parked running car. And I, I knew better to stay put, but my sister was just little and, and she didn't know. And so she thought, oh, this is a good time to just play car. So she hops into the front seat, she starts shifting the gear, and we're on a hill, and we start rolling back into the traffic with a running car. And my mom's back is on the other side, she's, she's trying to help somebody. Anyways, I could see out the window, I'm banging on the window, mom, mom, and, and I could see somebody who was looking this way said, she's, point, she's pointing, like, your car, your car. I have never seen my mom be a superhero like she was that day. She ran across back over the traffic, opened the door and pushed physically the car up the hill until she could get it out of the traffic. And I remember that at five years old, I thought, my mom, wow, like she's so, she can protect, she can do anything. She could could kill a bear, she could do anything. My mom's a hero. And happy Mother's Day, mom. She's she's watching today, I'm, I'm sure. But we, we desire to protect. There are so many stages in motherhood. There are beautiful stages in motherhood. There are tiring stages in motherhood. And then there are hard stages in motherhood. And in those hard stages, whether they're trips to the hospital, accidents, we've had our own share of those, um, trips to a principal's office, uh, mediating, caring, defending where needed, But sometimes we can do everything in our control and still not be able to defend. Moms, in the church, we need to defend one another. We need to help one another. We need to step out and step up for our kids and grandkids. We need to pray for them, protect them, not judge other mothers. We need to speak life over them. May they always feel that church can be a safe place for them even in the hard stuff. Like a child running into the arms of a mother, so the church should be to anyone who comes. This is a God characteristic. This is how we be a God mom. I wanted to share a story today that I did not learn in Sunday school for obvious reasons. And it's a story of tragedy and triumph. This story is a story of a mom who did everything in her control and yet still cannot protect her children. So we're going to uh, read in um, 2 Samuel 21, verse 1 to 14. If you have your Bibles, you could turn to that. I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap before we read that. Saul had died and David had become king. And three years of famine had set in to the land. 
So David inquires of the Lord, why? Why are we having this famine? And the Lord answers, it's because Saul had broke a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. And that peace treaty had been made back in Joshua's days, which was an oath of protection. But Saul broke that oath. So David meets with the Gibeonites and he asks of them what can be done to make things right. And they choose revenge. How many know that revenge just causes more hurt? It's never the way to go. This is what happened. And they wanted seven of Saul's sons dead and on display. Rizpah, one of Saul's concubines and mother to two of the sons that were killed, enters our story. So starting in 2 Samuel 21, starting at verse 10. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. She did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told that Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, what she had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, which had been stolen, by the way. And then starting at verse 13, so he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there. And they gathered the bones of those who had been hung, including Rizpah's sons. They buried the bones in the country of Benjamin, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. This is a heavy story, and this is where I will pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your scripture is a treasure box for us. And God, everything points to Christ. Lord, I thank you that you hold heaven and earth in your hands, that nothing is impossible, that nothing is too difficult, that nothing is completely lost because of who you are. And God, I ask this morning that as we unpack your scriptures and we ask that Holy Spirit, you breathe over it, that we would truly find the encouragement and the redemption and the moving forward in such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. We need to acknowledge lament. Now, this has just got like really quiet, (laughs) really hard, really quick. But we are in a, in a season right now in our world that is, that is a season of lament, and it needs to be acknowledged. Rizpah was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it was completely out of her control. It was not her fault. History proves it is often the innocent that bear punishment for leadership decisions. And countries today are suffering war, famine, pandemics, injustice, God answered David's question of why there was a famine, but David did not inquire how to make it right. He took matters into his own hands, and once again, tricked by an ungodly people group, what happened was tragic. Offense had been brewing for generations between people groups. Famine had struck the land. The people were going through a difficult time, but Rizpah became the victim of the tragedy. Lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, and there is biblical consent to the need and value of it. It is a turning point to acknowledge what was, 
and what is no more. It makes note of loss, tragedy, injustice, disappointment, misunderstanding, offense, and so much more. It processes sorrow. Rizpah probably felt as though she had failed to protect and prevent. She was handed a life she had no control of. As a concubine, she had been a servant to the king, but didn't have permission to approach him. She had lost her husband, the kingdom she knew, and now her sons. We may have experienced loss over these past, this past year. Actually, we all have experienced some kind of loss over this past year of various kinds, out of our control, personally, nationally, globally. And I just want to say, it's okay to lament. In fact, it's important to recognize it. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which talks about everything in its time. And we quite often want to skip to all the good things, the life, the birth, the exciting things that are, that are in that passage. But it mentions that there is a time for life, for death, for loss. There's weeping and there's mourning. This verse gives us a sense of relief in knowing that there actually are things in life we don't have control of. Don't get me wrong, it's important to get things right where and when we can, and I'm going to talk about that a little later, but we can't go there until we recognize what has happened. We are in a wrong and broken world in a lot of ways, and the only way we can move forward is after we acknowledge where we're at. Rispa laid a sackcloth on the rock. And a sackcloth is a symbol of mourning, humility, and repentance before God. There was a sense of repenting on her past fathers, the past leaders. And that is the safest place to lament. Is before our Heavenly Father, the one who can handle it and hold you through it. So my charge to you would be let your lament be as worship. It's the safest place to lament. Turn the focus of it toward your heavenly father, who is the one who can bring true comfort to your soul. There are two verses, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament that are almost identical. One of them is written by King David himself, and the other is written by Peter. Psalm 55:22 says, "Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord, and measureless grace will strengthen you." That's from the, the Passion Translation, which has really been rocking me these days. And then the other one is from 1 Peter 5:7, which says, "Pour out all your worries and stress upon him, and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you." A friend of mine drew to my attention a word that psychologists are using right now to describe the mental health emotion of today. The word is languishing. And it is defined as a name for the blah that you're feeling right now. Or the void between depression and flourishing. It's an absence of well-being. It can dull your motivation and your focus. 
I would say that Rispa did not slip into depression or despair and disappear to say, their life is over, so my life is over. She didn't give up and call it the end. Even though we would think dead is the end, there are a lot of things that seem dead. Jobs, relationships, opportunity plans. But no, she did what she could do. It was actually a beginning, a season to take a stand, to mark a moment in history, to turn an event in the midst of languishing, find your purpose in the now. The hope that we have as followers of Christ define us in a dead moment, to see beyond what it looks like in the natural and ask the Lord to show us the supernatural. Stand in your moment. Ladies, friends, and church, we need to stand in our moment. Rispa literally uh, set up camp, committed herself to what she felt she was called to do. She protected what she could. She couldn't change the past, but she had control of the present and a God who had control of the future. Jewish law was that the dead was to be buried by sunset. And that didn't happen. And she knew that injustice had been done. And she was standing for that. She was pointing it out in her vigil. She was determined to see her son's dignity restored with a rightful burial. She made a point of exposing what wasn't right and standing for what was. Not by petitioning, not by protesting, not by complaining or arguing, although there is a time and place for that. This was not that time but by silently and confidently committing herself to what she was called to do, the news was spreading. Her sons were also not the only ones who benefited, but there were five other bodies hanging there with them. Where were their moms? You could count on Rispa to defend them too. Moms, when you keep committed to the mothering stage that you are in, you have an opportunity to do the best that you can do because you are focused in on what season you are called to. If you are a mom to a newborn, that is a beautiful time at night to pray. I cannot even begin to express the beautiful times I had in the presence of the Lord, the prayer times cradling a child in my arms at night when everyone else was sleeping The Lord taught me about intercession. I could sing songs of worship to him, speak words of life over my toddlers. It's a time to model patience. How many know when you've got toddlers? Tell them what you love about them. And when they're older, assign them elevated positions that they will rise to because you trust them and you believe in them. Tell them they are precious to God and that his plans are amazing as they look to him for guidance and role model that. Live it passionately. Your influence will be contagious. It will go far beyond your household. There are endless ways to be moms to others. And if and when they should go astray, Do battle for prayer over them. Call on those things that you spoke over their life and claim the goodness and the justice that comes from our Savior. I've had many different jobs alongside of being a pastor's wife. And those various things that I stepped into repeatedly 
brought others into my world, in my life, for me to be a mother to. And uh, we went through a season where I taught piano lessons out of my home, and it would start with students, and then their siblings, and then their friends of their friends of their siblings, and friends of my kids. And it became piano lessons slash daycare slash after school snack. It just kind of kept, it just would roll. The door would just roll. I think at one point I had probably 40 students a week plus families. What a, a beautiful, fruitful time when I look back on it. The times that we had uh, conversations with students, I would have the conversation or there'd be tears or my, my daddy's leaving or uh, my grandma died or, or my dog died. And, you know, I could just bring in some, some love, some support, some prayer, a safe place for those kids to feel when they would come into our house. And um, I can remember Ben trying to study for a sermon and somebody's in our fridge. She's like, oh, hello, I don't know you. And he's helping himself to yogurt and... You know, but it, it was just a beautiful place to be able to provide a caring environment and influence and share the life and love of Christ. Today, uh, you may not know this, but I, I work at a school full-time during the week, and I work in a specialized program with um, very complex children. A lot of them are nonverbal. We use a lot of visuals. And they are, they're trying to get all their language straight. And I have one student in particular who will constantly call me mom. And then he'll, he'll change and he'll remember because I'll, I'll have to bring corrections. Oh, Heather. But you know, it's the best compliment. When he calls me mom or he's calling for help and he says, mom, I just, I just light up because I, I feel like he feels safe around me. He feels cared around me. And it's, and it's beautiful. Listen to the Holy Spirit. You are making a difference in history, moms. You may be changing someone's life course. Church, we are passionate about committing ourselves to who we are and what we've been called to do. This is the time to step up and show it then we can reach the lost. I just want to say, I am so proud of First Assembly in a, in a mom sort of way, however that feels right. Because during this whole year, there has been a beautiful outpouring of ministry from this house, whether it's been FA Cares or the, the youth or the kids or the community groups and the seniors. There's just, there's been ways we have not given up. We've not thrown in the towel, but we've said, no, we will move by the power of the Holy Spirit and we will bring life and love of Jesus where we are at. There are so many ways, so many ways. But if we are busy trying to blend in or be like everyone else or try to be cool or popular with whatever the church is doing these days, and become too concerned with that, we're going to be mediocre in our, in our mission. We are called to do battle in the spirit, in prayer, in action for this next generation. I mean, Rizpa literally fought the, the, the dogs and the jackals and the birds of the air. She was out in the open, but she, she did battle. She was not even scared for her life 
because she knew what she was called to do and she was focused on it for this next generation. We need to fight for the justice and the dignity and the unity to reconcile and repent on behalf of previous wrongs of our fathers and to get involved in support, whether it's local ministries. There are so many in our city, the Dream Center, the pregnancy centers, um, compassion. Some of you have, have children that are in different places of the world. Write them a letter. Give them some encouragement. Share the life and the love of Jesus and stand for justice. Do you know, I'm sure there were people who walked by and were judgmental and said, oh, that crazy Rizpa, she's just going at it again. When will she stop? When will she give up? But I bet there were other people who were expressing the motherhood of God that were bringing her food or water or a blanket and supported her and admired her tenacity. Mediocre living doesn't make dreams happen. It doesn't change the world. There's no expression that says mediocre, one moment at a time, changing the world. Christ was not Captain Mediocre. (laughs) Nobody follows that. But your world starts with what's in front of you, what you've been given to do, and to do it with everything in you and offer it as worship and offering to the Lord and allow him to expand it, to take it to places you've never dreamed. That will change the world. That's what Christ demonstrated. Don't give up or give in because of a pandemic. Look what you can do today. I love Colossians 3.23. It says, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. That really helps perspective on why we do things. You no longer become controlled by the needing of constant approval or affirmation from others or your likes on Instagram. That causes emotional instability. You no longer set your course of purpose on circumstance or title or accomplishments. That causes identity crisis. You become strong men and women, sons and daughters in the Lord. He is your vindicator, your substance, your strength, and your refuge. So what do we do in a story of tragedy like this and loss? We look for Jesus. Earlier I prayed about the treasure that the word of God is. And Christ really is our answer and the one we look to. In a passionate story of tragedy and loss to beget closure and an empty new beginning, we are left guessing the future in this story. Where is the redemption piece? What now? Where does she go from here? Her job was done. The dead were buried. Now what? She's not mentioned anymore in the Bible after this story. When there has been loss, disappointment, and injustice, or uncertainty, what do we have left? Where is the triumph part of the story? Sometimes it's hard to find Jesus. It's hard to find Jesus in this story and a lot in our own stories. But he is there. Keep looking. Are we willing, like Rizpah, to step into our faith calling, regardless of whether or not we will know the end story in our time? Are we willing to set aside our own expectations, desires, plans, dreams, to step into a God moment and take our place as obedience and offering to the Lord for the promise of a healed land? 
Are we walking in a place focused on what the Lord has required for us for such a time that will get the king's attention? That will make Jesus famous. Arguing, complaining, revenge, these will not make Jesus famous. The world's view to fight for rights and freedoms is loud, entitled, and somewhat obnoxious. As followers of Christ, being part of a God story means we need to be loud in the spirit, entitled to his authority, and obnoxious to the devil. We know the story. So who is Rizba a picture of? You ready for this? Her sons and other sons were sacrificed on seven trees as an atonement for sin. A bit of a shadow of Mary standing on the hill of Golgotha, where Christ would willingly pay the ultimate price for all sin. A picture of us needing salvation. Where were her sons buried? The graves for the tribe of Benjamin are in Jerusalem. Christ walked, was trialed, and crucified, but defeated the grave once and for all, so that in him we can have eternal life. What was the importance of her son's location of burial? It was a family grave, a point of belonging, meaning purpose. Through Christ, we all belong to a family, but not in a family grave site. We belong to his kingdom, which is a kingdom of life and eternity because of what Christ did for us on our behalf so that we would not have to. Why would she dedicate her attention, passion, and time to nurture what seemed dead and lost? Flesh will die, but bones remain. They tell a story. Remember Elijah's prophecy of dry bones to come alive and to resurrect. This is not the end. Christ tells us that to live is die, and die is gain. New life can only come from death. Healing from a famine is a start over. Dead seed that is planted and completely surrendered to the reign of heaven. When we surrender our life to Christ, we die to ourselves for something better, something eternal. We set aside our control and what we cannot control for what we can. Our surrender, our attention, and our commitment to living out Christ in us every day. Does it look different to the world? Yes because it is a life of hope and value and promise. Yes, there's a time for a sackcloth, but though it lasts for a night, joy comes in the morning. So when did new life start for her? Well, the past was buried. The Bible doesn't mention her anymore, although we know that she assumed her role in King David's kingdom. David is a picture of Christ, Christ came from his lineage. When we submit to a new kingdom, God's kingdom, we submit to new ways of doing things. Being forgiven and free from our past and taking courage for what's ahead. A season was changing. How many know the season will change? We will be able to say, We buried the dead. The things we will not take with us into this next season. What are those things for you? What are those things 
that the Lord would be asking for us to bury and not take into this next season? What are those things that we can take to the cross because he paid for them for us? Look to Jesus. Give them to Jesus. Let's not carry that baggage of things for what lies ahead. The famine will be over. And just like last night and the night before, as I fell asleep listening to the rain fall, the rains will come. The rains will come. Are we ready, friends? Are we ready, church? He promises to be with us. He's not gonna send us, send us off to do this all on our own. He's gonna be with us. It's a new start to carry on, to step into what is next. His kingdom never disappoints. Never. Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you. We look to you as moms on this beautiful Mother's Day. We look to you as people of God, as sons of daughters. We look to you as the church, the church, because you are greater, you are stronger, you are able, you are willing, you are loving, you are declaring, you are bringing your promises, you hold true, your word is true because of what you did for us, we can live freely. I thank you, God, that the rain is coming and the rain brings newness of life. Your rain from heaven brings newness of life. Lord, may we rise to the challenge of what you have called us to do in this time right now with the hope and the promise and the assurance of what lies ahead. Lord, I pray for every mother today who has lamented and mourned and grieved. Pray for every person today who's experienced such loss. Lord, would you be where they, they are at as we give this as worship to you, God. We say, God, we cry out. We say, Lord, be with us. Bring the soothing balm that we need over our souls, over our hearts, God, so that we could stand up to what you've called us in this moment today, God, knowing there's a triumph ahead in the future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Let's just sing this song together. What a beautiful name it is and reflect on his presence and how important it is to grab hold of who he is in and through us. The beautiful name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.